Amen. Thank you, Jason. First things first, this is our last week of this series as uh, we can conclude this uh, time together as, as it relates to this series. If you look on your outline, you see the series introduction in Luke 2.52. We read that Jesus grew in the same four areas we should grow to be fully mature. Just as he, we are expected to mature mentally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. We also find in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, that we should demonstrate our love for God in really some of the same areas. And we see that right here in Luke 10, 27. So Jesus answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Many people would say that's your spiritual health. With all your soul, that's your emotional health. With all your strength, that's your physical health. And with all your mind, your cognitive health, and your neighbor as yourself. And of course, there he's talking relationally. And so we see that there's an expectation for us to mature in this life in which we live. Now, again, it won't be a, a perfect maturity because we are kind of held back. Uh, even those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have this old body. We have this flesh that cries out, that desires certain things that can be contrary to God's word or can be in excess. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is maturing in stature. That's the idea bodily or physically. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, the first century, I kind of want to give you some context to what we're looking at, what Paul's addressing here in Corinth. And really, the first century, in the first century, the city of Corinth was a sexually charged city. Prostitutal worship was practiced in the three different pagan temples in that city. Many would say the culture was uh, based on hedonism. It was a culture of self-indulgence and even overindulgence. And of course, the definition of that would be indulging one's own desires, passions, whims without restraint or excess. That is a description of what Paul is writing into when he writes this letter. For those who even considered themselves religious in, in some pockets in the first century, here in Corinth, it's obvious because Paul's addressing it, but for those who continued to say they were religious, they also practiced self-indulgence and overindulgence. And the way they did this was by rationalizing the fact that their body and their spirit were separate from one another. That their body could go over here and do what it pretty much wants to do, but the spirit would remain intact in a way that needed to be. And of course, we know that to be a fallacy. We know that to be a lie because we know that one affects the other. Our overindulgence in body will affect our spirit. There's no doubt about it. However, for the follower of Jesus, here's what we need to understand. Our body and soul were redeemed at the time of our salvation, and our spirit was literally, the way the Bible describes it, made alive. So therefore, the body, soul, and spirit are one, and we are to take care and protect the body. Now think about that. All the body, the, the soul, and the spirit, that's who we are. We who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're followers of Jesus. We are defined by those three things. Now what's interesting about those things, of all those things that need the protecting, the body needs protecting probably as much as any of it. Because that is the part that interacts with the culture. That is the part that can become excessive. 
That's the part that can be overindulgent. So let's look on your outline. The possible dangers to the body. Freedom can produce bondage. I want you to think about that. Look at how Paul addresses it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 12. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. He's basically saying there's a bunch of things that are out there that I could participate in, but they're not necessarily good for me. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He's basically saying those things that are out there, even some of those things that can, can appear to be my own desires, they're out there, but I refuse to make them, uh, I refuse to be a slave to those things, a slave to those desires. Another way he could say it is I refuse to be addicted to those things, where those are those things that are much, and again, that's the bodily part of who we are. He's talking about those things that may be culturally acceptable or may not, bad in, not be bad in themselves, but done in excess can lead to bondage or addiction and therefore can be harmful to the body and eventually will affect the soul and the spirit. So again, he's basically saying we, we have to be careful with the freedoms that we have in Christ. And of course, when he was talking about the law, the law was a, a, a big thing to, to live under, the old covenant. Uh, many came away saying it's impossible to live that. And part of the reason it was out there was to prove that we always will fall, fall short in the fact we need a Savior. But he's basically saying there's a bunch of things out there that I could participate in, but I choose not to because it may carry me down a path that's not good for me. And he's addressing that. Next, the possible dangers of the body. Freedom can, produ can produce overindulgence. Now, now, I want you to think about this. It's getting ready to get real tough in here this morning. What would you say is our society's most acceptable sin? What's that? Too much food. Gluttony. I've never preached on this a day in my life. <laughs> and I, I, I want to keep my job, but I, I got to preach the whole counsel of God this morning. Gluttony. Now, you know, I could have been cruel and waited till Thanksgiving to, to, to <laughs> preach this this morning. But, but I do want to say this. This is a part of who we are. Our body the excesses. How many of you heard uh, just a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week, the fight that broke out at Golden Corral? You, did you read this? 40 people had it out over a piece of steak. <laughs> Would you say we are kind of into our food a little too much? Yeah, I mean, I've had Golden Corral steak. It ain't that good. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so when you think about it, I mean, I mean, think about what we do with food. We fight over food. We also, and some of y'all are guilty of this, and I'm not making fun of you. We also take pictures of our food and send it to everybody thinking they want to see it. How many of you have been guilty of that before? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and, and it's really amazing how we do that, but we think about food a, a lot. My daughter, she's a tiny little thing, and she was when she was in our home. We, we would go on vacation, and we'd be sitting there eating lunch, and, and she wouldn't even enjoy the lunch. She'd be saying, what are we going to eat for supper tonight? <laughs> Food is constantly 
on our minds. Think about it. What is the opposite of overindulgence? Self-control. Self-control. And you know what the Bible says about self-control? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that should be in place when the Spirit of God is operating in a person's life. Self-control. It's also a sign that the Spirit of God is working in our lives. Now, let's face it. Gluttony leads to unhealthiness, while self-control leads to healthiness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 13. Paul said, foods, foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But God will destroy both and them. He's basically describing a very unhealthy situation. And he's basically saying these things that we put so much importance in and we may overindulge in, they're going to come to nothing. Nothing. We see that here so clearly. Now, gluttony is not necessarily shown by the size of the person. We have to be careful of that. Matter of fact, we have to be careful on anything that we judge. You do know that, right? The Bible warns us to be careful with our judgments. And, and the fact is, when you, when you look at someone and you say, okay, this is a person who struggles with, with gluttony. Not necessarily. Some people do have extremely low or slow metabolisms. There's other health reasons. Some people can eat the same amount of food as us or some others and look very different. It's there. We got to acknowledge that. I want you to see, isn't it amazing how sometimes animals can kind of show us a picture of ourselves? I want you to look at this video here. Now, this dog, its rear leg is threatening <laughs> its bone. And, and I mean, I don't know if this is, I don't know what this is all about, but this is crazy. Look, look, look at this. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and if you had the video turned up, it, he would be growling. <laughs> now, some of you are like, can that really happen? I don't know. Have you ever had a piece of food that you dared someone to come get, including your right leg or left leg? And then I want you to see the next one. Here's the second part that we miss sometimes. That's a treadmill. You can turn it off now. <laughs> the reason I did that is this is such a tough topic. I had to put a little humor in this thing. But the fact remains, sometimes when you think about it, we can be very overindulgent when it comes to food, the, the craving. And by the way, should we crave food? Absolutely, as part of the healthiness. We need the food for health. But the problem is when it becomes something bigger, and that's what we tend to see here. For some, overindulgence with food is there, and, and, and for many, they're trying to fill a void. I, I know people who eat uh, for comfort. Uh, some of you can identify with these different things. And the fact is, there's some things that food represents in our lives that it shouldn't represent. And the fact that we, we overindulge, could be to a, it could be a bigger problem there. But let's face it, for most of us, who are overweight, it is a cause for, it is a cause by gluttony. And this is a cultural problem. Americans, if you go and look at it throughout the world, we're, we're the heaviest people in the world. And some of you would say, well, why is that? Well, fast food. 
Think about it. Food is available to us all the time. And, and, it, and it's just, it gets bigger and bigger. And it can be presented so beautifully, can't it? And you want to partake. But the fact is, there's those things we have to be careful of. Someone has said this. Sometimes gluttony is a sign that something is eating at us, possibly some emotional scar that rests in our past. And I think that's true for some. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 13 again. He's going to go a little bit further in overindulgence. He said, foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both and it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality. He moves from one thing that is craved to, to it's possibly something else. The Corinthian motto was this, and it could be the motto for our society. My body wants food, so I give my body food. My body wants sex, so I give my body sex. So what's the problem? They would say, I'm following my natural inclinations. It's when it's done outside of God's will. It's when it's done in excess, when it's those things that we are constantly thinking about. That's all we're consumed with is where the next meal's coming from. What will be the next meal? And, of course, he adds this idea of sexual immorality. It speaks of overindulgence, getting or doing something in excess no matter what. Now, many would say that food and sex are necessary. Food for nourishment and sex for procreation, they would be correct. And food and sex are pleasurable, but God, God created us this way. But what Paul is trying to get here is this. When you're living for those things, when your body is, is craving those things, and it's forgetting its higher calling. And by the way, our bodies have a higher calling. Did you know that? Paul's getting ready to tell us what it is. It's literally the temple of God, the temple of God's presence. These things can lead to bondage and overindulgence. Next, the powerful declarations concerning the body. Number one, it's intended to be an instrument for God's glory. Look at verse 13 again, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Think about that. Make sure your body is an instrument that God can use. Gluttony keeps that from happening. If you think about some, some of the things, and we can relate to this. Sometimes when, when, we're, when we're feeling overweight or, or we're feeling the stuffiness of it all, it affects how we look at ourselves. And so for some people, it lowers or devalues themselves uh, when they look at themselves. And sometimes the quality of life, it stands in the way for many. And we need to pay attention to this. This is something that God wants to use, an instrument of our bodies. Next, it's intended to be transformed for God's glory. Look at uh, verse 14. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise up by his power. He's talking about us. He, he's talking about there's going to come a day where all this will be fixed. But in the meantime, we've got to be careful with our overindulgences. We've got to be careful with those things that are done in excess, no matter what it is. He's saying you've got to be careful with this. I want you to look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. It really speaks to this situation beautifully. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, 
Your body. So what is, what is your body? It's a vessel of, of the spiritual person that you are. It's the unhealthy, longing part of who we are many times. And by the way, it's also what the world interacts with. That is our bodies. But it's also, as he's going to say, is a temple of the Lord. He says, present your bodies. This idea that this sacrifice that's being brought, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, its unhealthiness, its overindulgences, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. The battle will be fought in the mind. The perception of things will be fought in the mind. Uh, truth will replace falsehood and deceit in the mind. And he's saying that's where it begins. And why would we want to do that? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The word perfect there literally means the complete word of God. That you're living that. And it's a big challenge to all of us. Next, the painful defilements against the body. The first thing we see here is it dishonors God's intention. Spirit and body are one. You see, you have a body, but you're not just your body. I want you to think about that. You have a body, but you're not just defined by your body. Now, that's a big deal there. Because I want you to think about how much time we spend on the body. Right? We spend a lot of time, and, and, and let's just be honest about it. Sometimes we spend more on the body than we do on the spirit. And, and we need to realize there's something to this. we got to pay attention. Your body is how your spirit communicates and interacts. It's that part that is seen by those around you. So look at verse 15. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Am I going to go outside so far in excess and overindulgence in the fact that I'm going to make a mockery of the part that I'm a member, the member of Christ? He says, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? Again, what is he talking about? He's talking about defilement. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. He's saying this is something God created in, the, in, in a certain way of intimacy, but not like this. But he who is joined to the Lord is one, with him, one spirit with him. There's this whole idea that there's that part that comes that's connected to God himself. But where's that contained? In the body. So we can, through our bodies, not only defile ourselves, but also defile the body of Christ or even Christ himself. Next, the painful defilements against the body. It violates the body and can be very destructive. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, flee sexual immorality. Run as hard as you can the other way. Don't court it. Don't rationalize it. And then he says this, and this is a very interesting statement you'll find in Scripture. Every sin that a man or a person does is outside the body. We can tell a lie. We can do this. We can do that. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. What he's talking about here is the fact that our bodies are frail. Did you know that? Some of us who have gotten older, has that become a reality yet? Yeah. Our bodies are frail. You could say on a, on a, on a, on, in one sense, we're getting older. 
And Paul talks about that also, the fact that our bodies, what they once were, will no longer be what they once were. Therefore, our spirit, we've got to pay attention to the spirit. But in the meantime, we shouldn't defile what's here. Our bodies, think about it, is, they're frail, and they need to be protected and cared for. And I'm not just talking about it in a physical way. I'm talking about just protecting it from the influences that surround it. Next, the priceless devotion regarding the body. First of all, it's sanctified by the Spirit of God. I want you to think about this. Your body, when, the moment you became a follower of Jesus, God's determination about your body was to set it apart for something. It was. If you were to go to the temple and you were to go around and look at all the tools that were used in the temple and the way the temple was to carry itself out, basically all those things had to be clean, pure. They couldn't be defiled by something else. Basically, he's saying our bodies have taken on that nature once we know Jesus. Okay? And, and so that's a big deal. He said, look at verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, now, let me just say this. All those who heard or read this letter, if it was read out aloud, would have, would, could identify with some type of temple. Those who lived in Corinth, there were three major temples that were around that city. And they knew exactly what they're talking about. You could go today to, to the ruins of two of them, to Apollos and Aphrodite. You can see those, you can see the remains. And they would have known what it represented to the Jew that was there in that city. Their mind would eventually go to the temple that's in Jerusalem, and they would have thought this is a place of worship, a place of prayer, a place of sacrifice, a place of celebration. So, so you have people sitting here, and their, their minds can go to one or the other. And when it comes to our own bodies, it's saying that representation is now represented in our bodies. That's a big deal. Places of worship, when you think about it, were built in cities to remind people in those cities that God or the gods were real. There, there was a demonstration of that, whether you're talking about pagan gods or God himself. I remember Tina and I had gone, we went to Charleston many years ago, and we took one of them horse and buggy tours. You ever been on those things? We, we found out some pretty interesting stuff about Charleston. And uh, we were going down one path, and and, and some of you have seen it. It's like the churches kind of stick out in the road. Have, have you ever noticed that in Charleston? Some of the more uh, uh, Puritan cities, that's kind of the way the churches did. And do you know why? It, it's, they stick out on the road, so you, you can't ignore God when you go by. <laughs> You've got to acknowledge him. You've got to see it. It's right there. That's the same way as in Charleston. And, and you think about it, you know, uh, they're there. And, 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 and literally, when you think about it, there's a, there's a plan and a purpose for our lives that many times is conducted in and through the body. So, so the talk of a temple was very significant to those who heard and read that their bodies were a temple of the Lord. To them, they knew those temples were maintained, they were cleaned, and they were taken care of. And as a result, it showed the value of the temple, and it raised the value of the temple. Think about that. It's, it's amazing when you begin to think about how this parallels one another. The same thing happens within us 
when we see the value of our temple, that it needs to be taken care of. Your body is valuable because of who lives there. I want you to think about that. We don't, we don't hear a lot of sermons on that, but it is. It's because of who lives there. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, or do you not know that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Now, this wasn't that way all the time. If you go to the Old Testament, you don't read anywhere where the Holy Spirit necessarily indwelt someone. That was not a natural occurrence. That's not something. It, the Bible basically said the Holy Spirit came upon someone, and then they did great and mighty things. But, but really, the New Testament introduces this idea that God indwells us and wants to be manifested through us. It's new to when it, until the New Testament comes along. John 14, Jesus is, is predicting this. He says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or, nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be what? In you. In you. Wow. Pretty big deal. Next, your body is not only a place where God dwells, your body is not your own. In verse 6, look at the last part. He says, and you are not your own. He, he's referring in this context to your bodies. Now, your body, think about it, is the base of operation based on everything we read in verse 19. Your body is the base of operation from which the Holy Spirit works in the lives of people around you. Therefore, many, I've heard someone say, your body is, is the Holy Spirit's headquarters. And those that you interact with, those you have influence over, those who surround you, he's using you in, that, in those incidences to touch the lives of people with God's grace and his glory. That's, that's it. Now, what do people interact with? When they first come to know you, what are they really interacting with? They're interacting with you, <laughs> your body, and what they see. But what's inside is what should be manifested. And, of course, that's the Holy Spirit. So we see these things. Next, we see that you were purchased by the Son of God. Verse 20, he says, for you were bought at a price. God saved you to use you in his operation to make him known. But Paul says something very interesting in Philippians. Look at verse, well, it's not here on the screen. Let me give you what he says. He says, He's talking about these people. He's talking about these people who are outside of the will of God. He said, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. When we set our minds on earthly things, when we only live for this life, when we're only living, he, he's basically saying, look how he says it. It's going to end in destruction, but not only that, their God is their belly. Paul is literally saying they live solely for their own pleasure. They live literally worship, they literally worship their appetites. And it's not just what goes in the belly. He's talking about those things that we overindulge in. And it can be many things. He's basically saying they couldn't control their appetites. Their appetites controlled them. They served their appetites. Now, many times, gluttons and or adulterers live to serve their pleasure. But according to Paul here in this context, he's again, what's he trying to get us to see? There's a higher calling to our bodies 
than just those things. Those things that can make us unhealthy. Those things that are aligned outside of God's will. So basically, what is that? Look on your outline. Glorify God, how? In your body. He says in the second part of verse 20, therefore glorify God in your body. You were bought at a price. You were bought. Now glorify him through it. Next, glorify God in your spirit. Verse 20, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. We were created with a, I want you to think about this. Many times when we overindulge, many times, not all the time, many times we're trying to fill a void that only God can fill. If we overindulge wanting power, we may gain some of that power, but it will never meet the deepest part of who we are. If it's, if it's food, if it's a sexual appetite, we, we can go and climb and go and do all these different things and, all, and pile it in and pile it in. It's never going to satisfy. Never will it satisfy. Only God can satisfy the deepest needs that are in a person. And that's what he's trying to tell us. When we live for pleasure and his purpose, we find pleasure and we find purpose when we live within his pleasure and his purpose. Jesus said this, the more you give your life away, and he's literally saying the more you give yourself to a higher calling, the more you gain your life and joy. Someone has rightly said, the more you do as you please, the less you are pleased with what you do. But the more you do as he pleases, the more you are pleased with what you do. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? So here's the application. If you are a follower of Jesus, your body is a temple of the Lord. How many of you, that's very intimidating? It is, isn't it? It is so intimidating to think that way. But that's exactly what God's word says. And so when we talk about maturing and all these different aspects because Jesus did, but not only that, it's our way of worshiping him and honoring him and loving him. We can do that through our bodies. We can do that. And, and especially when we know that's where the Holy Spirit indwells. So the question is this, do you take care of your body? I'm, I'm not just talking about what you eat, what you don't eat, even though that's a part of it. How, how many of you know that a lot of skinny people eat the worst things you can eat? <laughs> I used to be skinny. I, I've, I've caught up with many over the years, but <laughs> man, I can put some cheese fries away. And yeah, I do feel my arteries clogging as I eat those things. But listen, you know, it's more, it's not necessarily a weight thing either. What, what are we doing to make sure that we can fulfill what God's called us to do? And, and I think that we, we need to pay more attention to these things. Here's another one. Do you guard it, speaking of your body, from those things that may defile it or make it less usable for his glory? 
And then, in what ways do you invest in your body to make it more usable for the kingdom of God? Now, some of you are sitting here and you possibly are saying, Honey, I told you we needed to get the treadmill or the bike or stationary bike. You didn't. He's telling us we got to get. <laughs> now, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm talking about just paying attention to what you're putting the body through, paying attention because you are the temple, your body is the temple of God, and paying attention of what you can do to bring God glory through your body. And, and that's what we see here. But the point is, and I want to close with this. Your body needs protecting. How many of you know that? It needs protecting. If you think about it and you look into Scripture closely, it's the most frail part of who we are. It's the one with the unhealthy desires. It's the one that wants to reach out and grab all the gusto. It's the one that gets us in trouble. Because the Bible not only talks about the body, it talks about the members of the body. And the members of the body is what reaches out to this world that brings the unhealthiness to us. And then the body describes, and then the Bible describes it this way. Sometimes it calls it the flesh or the carnal man that reaches out. But we need to protect the body. I want to give you this illustration. You see, there were always walls around ancient cities to protect from outside forces, invading forces. Sometimes it was there to protect them from disease. They could pretty much control the disease, whether it was coming in or going out. And the point is that there were walls. And our body, if you think about it, needs walls. And how do you build walls for your body? By knowing truth. By not being deceived by this world. But by not uh, uh, conforming to this world. It may not be wrong. It may be culturally acceptable. But is it really profitable? There's a higher calling to what we've been called to. And so our bodies, we need to build these walls around our bodies. But, but not only that, we need to realize that all cities that we're talking about had gates. That let things in and out. Did you know our bodies has, have gates? Did you know there's an ear gate? Did you know that? Where things can get in? Do we need to protect that? Yeah, we do. Did you know there's a mouth gate? Did you know that? Did you know we need to protect what goes out? We, we, we need to pay attention to those things. Again, both of these can defile the body. And then important, very important is the eye gate. We've got to be careful what we put in front of us. What, what could defile us with these gates? Again, we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to protect ourselves with what we have when it comes to the body. But here's the biggest thing. We need to make sure with everything in us that we're not only caring for the body, we're not only maintaining the body, but that the body is growing in a way that it honors God. We've got to understand this is the vessel, this is the utensil that he uses to communicate the kingdom to the world. And we've got to pay attention to it. We've got to pay attention to it. 
Let's pray. Father, we just come to you now. We just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, this was not an easy message this morning. But Father, we all need to pay attention to what's going on around us, what's going on in our bodies, what, what, what we're putting our bodies through, Father. Father, I just pray for the one here today, Lord, that maybe they've saw something, they've seen something in your word that they've never seen before. And Father, that you're really, uh, you're, you're communicating them in such a way that you're convicting them or teaching them in a way that they can pay attention to those things that you care about. Father, I thank you that your word is not just something that sidetracks certain issues, but it deals with all issues that we deal with. And Father, I thank you that it speaks to us, Father. But Lord, most of all, we've talked a lot about the body here today. But Father, I just pray for the one that's here today that maybe they've never been touched by your spirit. Father, maybe, maybe they couldn't say that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit because they've never received you as their Lord and Savior. They, they've never come to, to the terms that you've set forth for salvation. And Father, I just pray for that person that may be here today that doesn't know you in the way, the intimate way of knowing that their body could be used to serve you in great ways. Father, I just pray that you'd be with them, Lord, that they'd talk to someone before they leave here today. Father, we thank you for just who you are and what you're all about and that you care for us and help us as we leave here today to understand that our bodies are frail, they need care, they need to be maintained, and they need to mature in the light of your truth. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Before you're dismissed, let me say this. Some of you, um, and I hate to change subjects here, but I, I really need to to help you understand. Some of y'all I know attend the 11 o'clock service, and we thank you for backing down to 930. I think some of you are like, yeah, I'm here and all that. But let me tell you, the leadership of the church is working diligently uh, to fix our space issues, okay? And you'll be hearing something probably in the next four to five weeks about what that may look like going forward. So I know that some of you, we got a little room in this, this gathering, but the other one, if you haven't seen it lately, it's pretty full. And uh, we're working tirelessly to work on that. And then we didn't even realize we had a parking issue until a couple men stood outside a couple last couple weeks. And anyway, we got maybe I need to address some of that too. But we are trying our best to, to take care of these things if you'll bear with us through these next months. Would you do that for us? All right. Thank you so much for being here this morning. You're dismissed.